Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Welcome to the first edition of the Blue Crew Podcast, a New York Rangers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Johnny Lazarus, joined by my good friend and co-host, Cody Frankel, who I haven't talked to in like almost two weeks. We took July 4th week off, and I do want to say a quick thing about the name change. We're no longer the Blue Yorker. There's not much to it. We just felt we wanted to make this quick adjustment going forward, so hopefully we don't have to change the name again, but I don't want to talk too much. (laughs) I do want to say... What's up to my boy, Cody? How you doing? I know you spent the last like 10 days in the Hamptons out east. How was it? I did. It was great. Had you a lot of look paler food. somehow than before. <laughs> yeah, it must. It must be, you know, the sun, like the reverse effect. But um, no, it was it was good. Couple drinks, couple uh, good meals and a lot of sun. And that's real. Oh, I played I played a good amount of golf. Actually, I'm really sore and I played a lot of pickleball. You play pickleball? Mm-hmm. Just a mature married man over there. I, exactly. I would like to play pickleball. I haven't Pickle- yet. I will smoke you in pickleball. You probably you would because I had never played. <laughs> I only played twice, but I'm pretty good. We used to play but, uh, in elementary school. We had like pickleball tournaments in gym class, and I don't think oh, I really? won, but I was decent, I think. Okay, okay, okay. But yeah, no, it was good. Um, how was your weekend, actually? My weekend was awesome. Too, right? I was in Sag Harbor. I love it. I actually, I kind of wanted to rewind back to July 4th weekend. Um, which was like an absolute bender. I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of in full bender mode for like the last two months. It's been a mm-hmm. lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. Recently single guy. I'm sure the people that listen to this know that, but uh, yeah, we just know. enjoy myself. We all know. You know, just enjoy myself. But last weekend I was at just, you know, a story that I feel like our listeners would appreciate. I went to bounce in Montauk. I met and... my wife. What did you say? Nothing. No, I, well, I did meet yeah. like three wives in the last two weeks, three of my future wives, but back to the story. I was at bounce Montauk and I'm like at the bar buying a drink. I looked to my left and I'm like, this guy looks awfully familiar. And we like locked eyes and, and it was Quinn, Quinn Hughes. Hughes. Yeah. Quinn Hughes. And uh, I met him and Jack last summer at a bar in the city. And I think he like kind of remembered me. He actually gave me his number, which I thought was like really cool. We kind of man flirted, but I saw Quinn, Jack, and then Zegers was there. And those guys were having a time. Zegers like, was just chilling with them. I, just, I guess. Well, yeah, they're boys. Yeah. They're boys. Yeah, him and Jack are tight. Yeah, but yeah. it's crazy. Like they just go to the same place as we do. And, and like, uh-huh. no one even recognizes them. It's like so cool. You know, I just like, Actually, I mean, they, uh, it was kind of like the end of the day. And all of a sudden, there's like six buckets of chicken tenders just like brought to the three of them. And they're just like holding these chicken fingers, like offering them out. And I was like, that's amazing. I was like, this, like you guys are like literally just a typical like New York. Well, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny you're saying, you know, nobody notices them because they are just kind of like yeah. three lax bro looking chill dudes. Right. It's not like like if. Aaron Judge walked into that bar. It's everybody different. would be like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, right. So it's it's interesting, but yeah, they're ju- they're just chill. That's they're a cool lot though. of fun to hang out with. I mean, I've ran into them now twice, and we've had a great time. Like you know, the two times I'm with them. Yeah. But anyways, we have a ton to unpack today. Let's start off with a nice and and calm salute and and fair send off to our boy <laughs> Alexander Georgiev, Johnny's one true love. I don't, I don't know where that came from. What do you have to say about him? <laughs> I, I, I'm like so indifferent. Like, he's speechless. He's, he's honestly, I, I don't, I don't have an opinion. So sad. I don't have an opinion on Georgiev. Like I, I honestly think Keith Kincaid is capable enough to be the backup goalie for this team. And, you know, I think it was obvious Georgiev was going to leave and I'm happy with what the, re- the return was. Wait, can we just stop one second and talk about that return? Because yeah. Chris Drury, the wizard got more for Alexander Georgiev than the Blues got for Billy Huso. Uh-huh. What is good with that? Yeah, it's insane. Insane. Huso went 25 and 6. That's wild. <laughs> he was essentially the starting goaltender. Yeah. It's mind-blowing. Um, yeah, that's crazy. But I know the schedule just came out, and I know you had a few games you wanted to point out and, and you know, of, of noteworthy moments that mm-hmm. might come. So hit us. So the games that I'm most excited for, aside from, like, the home opener, obviously that's one that sticks out, but... October 30th, a Sunday at Arizona. It's going to be played at Arizona State, obviously. You know, my thought process behind it is Halloween weekend. 
at Arizona State. I'm going to try to go. I mean, I've it had, sounds like one wild fucking party weekend, does it not? Yeah, it does. And and I, I got to ask you something because I've had a couple people DM me uh-huh. and ask, did Johnny really book his tickets already? So, <laughs> Actually, are you fucking with me? So, so, no, I'm being dead serious. So. Anyway. Are you well, I mean, honestly, dude, I, I think, I think like, if, if I know anything, like the, the team is going to go out after that game, like they're going to have a Halloween party 100%. in Arizona after that game. So why would you not want to go and like try to run into them? But man, I mean, that's like if, if I'm a player and I'm looking at that, if I'm like Lafreniere or mm-hmm. you know, some of these young guys that like to have fun and I see Halloween weekend at ASU, I'm like, oh, my God, I cannot wait for that game. That's going to be so sick. So yeah, I'm going to try to go. And cool. then. Another one that sticks out. I'm just thinking of like the cool places to like go, especially like, you know, the, the certain time of year. Right. New Year's Day at Florida. That'll probably be a great game. I'm sure the Ranger fans will show up for that game in Florida. I know a lot of people do like to migrate down to Florida for New Year's. So that might be something I'm looking forward to, I think, this year. And then the other one that has my attention is November 26th, with his, which is Thanksgiving weekend. It's a Saturday afternoon game, one o'clock at home against the Edmonton Oilers. So that'll be cool to have McDavid and Dreisaitl in town, you know, for a one o'clock Saturday game. So those are the three that really stand out to me. Are there any that stand out to you, Cody? Definitely. I want to say the Thanksgiving post Thanksgiving game against the Oilers. I think uh-huh. that's going to be, um, you know, a, a great game to watch, especially as everybody's feeling quite full from some Turkey in their bellies. I'll actually be in Punta Cana for Thanksgiving this year. So not bad how about how about them apples, but so you um, won't be at that game. I, I won't be at that game, but I will be, potentially watching it on my phone should the app allow me to because i know they got some weird things going on there but uh yeah definitely going to try and go to opening day we should go to opening day together actually yeah. um yeah honestly i i can't really say any other games like stick out to me because i have a season ticket plan and i'm just gonna be going a whole bunch of them so so cool of you <laughs> i know right um, well, we could talk about the islander thing how the rangers and islanders only play three times I mean, yeah that's, that's wild crazy. wild Especially, I think, now that the rivalry is somewhat almost back to even, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this is the first time, I think, in our lifetime where the Rangers and Islanders are both pretty competitive. And you'd think they'd play, like, maybe six times at minimum. But the fact they're only playing three and the Rangers only go to UBS one time is a little yeah. annoying. But, you know, maybe this is the year that the Rangers and Islanders meet in the first round. I kind of have that weird, like, inkling or feeling that this might be the year that that happens. Maybe. <laughs> but uh, anyways, we have a massive week this week. Okay, so our biggest debate has been the 2C. Hopefully, we might have some answers, um, you know, and, and free agency is coming up. In honor of free agency, we have a great guest today, NRD, uh, NHL Rumors Daily. Awesome, awesome guy. Talked about a ton of stuff. Got some, uh, you know, inside info and, and some cool things that we talked about. So definitely tune in after that. But that being said, we do have a very big week coming up where we have a variety of different things we need to get done. The Rangers have, I believe, around $11 million of cap space, maybe slightly less after the Blay signing so maybe and Gautier signing, so maybe around like 10. And we need to re-sign Kako, we need to figure out the 2C, and we need to sign a backup goaltender. I thought we needed to sign Heedle, but I guess Heedle's not anything until next year. So yeah. we'll take care of that next year. But that being said... Um, before I get into the free agency aspect, I wanted to actually talk about Kako a little bit because he's obviously an RFA. There was obviously a few things said uh, at the end of the year. You know, some people thought he might be unhappy and stuff like that. From what I've heard, is he's actually very close to signing. Maybe it'll be done by Monday night. Is is what I'm hearing. But that being said, there has been rumors about an offer sheet, and I wanted to kind of get your takes on. You know, do you think a team might exploit the Rangers here with our cap issues and go after a guy like that? Are you an insider? I I got some sources now. I got some <laughs> sources now. You're just DMing NRD? I got him on my left. I got my boy, <laughs> Stat Boy Steven, on my right. You're just building your own network here, I think. Mm-hmm. I love it. But uh, as far as offer sheets go, I don't really understand how it works. So I was hoping you can kind of explain that to me and the listeners maybe who don't understand. Offer sheets are really tricky, but a good way to kind of look at them is almost as a binding contract. I guess they are technically a binding contract that can be offered only to RFAs. Mm-hmm. And their their rights obviously have to be owned by a different team, right? So if the Rangers want to offer sheet Elias Pedersen, right? Mm-hmm. They have to offer that to the Canucks. Like it has to be 
obviously owned by a different team, whatever. There's a lot of rules and regulations in offer sheets. They're incredibly rare because um, usually what happens is if a player does get an offer sheet, they need to sign the offer sheet as well. So the player needs to sign the offer sheet. And a lot of times they just wouldn't. Right. So like, that's why they're so rare, but the way offer sheet works in terms of like compensation is really interesting. I'm not exactly sure if it's based on your current RFA contract or like what the market value is. It might be the like market value AAV, but basically if you're, if you're between one and $1.4 million, like you can get offer sheeted. There's no compensation, but a good person to look at here. Let's look at Kako, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's saying Kako will get around, you know, two to 2.5, some somewhere like that. So 1.4 million to 2 million costs a third round pick. 2 million to 4.1 million only costs a second round pick. So if a team were to offer sheet Kako, they could essentially get him for a second round pick. And I don't know about you, I obviously taking on his contract as well. And he'd need to sign it, but I don't know about you. If I'm another team, like I, I don't see why not. The only aspect of that is now it might create bad blood with the Rangers. And most of the time when a team, you know, a player gets offer sheeted, the team who has that player usually matches it as you saw with Sebastian Ajo. So, so you're saying yeah. that you, they would ruin their reputation with the Rangers because it's kind of like under Look at Kakaniemi. Look at yeah. that's ex- that's exactly what happened. The Canadians offer sheeted Kaka uh, Aho. Canes laughed at them. They signed it. Aho is still a hurricane. Mm-hmm. And then two years later, I think it was the Canes said, "You know what? We're gonna we're gonna stick it right back to the Habs." They saw the Habs had problems. They offer sheeted Kaka Niemi. He wanted out. He signed it. And now he is a hurricane and there was no indication that he was going to get moved before that offer sheet happened. So you never know. And like, I feel like this Kako situation is the perfect example of like, he might be like, yeah, you know what? Yeah. If, if Tampa Bay who just made the cup offer sheet him, like, why wouldn't he sign if, if he's, you know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So it, it's, it's definitely interesting to see how that plays out. It's it's one to watch. And then just for uh, you know, further elaboration here. So if you're 4.1 to 6.1 million, then it costs you a first and a third. If you're 6.1 to 8.2, it costs you a first, second, and third. If you're 8.2 to 10.2, it's two firsts, a second and a third. And then the big whopper is anything over 10.3 million can cost a team four firsts, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. No, so yeah, it's, yeah, I'm still trying to figure out how all these things work. I mean, I've it, never it's really confusing. Been, it's, yeah. yeah, it's it's confusing stuff. Um, that being said, like all we really need to know is if a team wants to offer sheet Kako, it's gonna cost them a second round pick. And if I'm another team and I'm like, hey, honestly, we don't care if the Rangers hate us, like whatever, and they and they go for it. I mean, it, it's something to watch out for. But that being said. If Kako signs by tomorrow, that'd be great. I think I think the offer sheet window begins either tomorrow night or Wednesday morning. I can't remember if it's the morning of free agency or if it's like two nights before. But I feel like it, I mean, I don't know, obviously, but I feel like it'd be like a little bit earlier. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. So, but there's when, and then it, I, I feel like it like coincides with the buyout window. And I think the buyout window starts tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's going to be, uh, it's definitely interesting to, to kind of see how that plays out. And I'm pretty excited, um, you know, for free agency and, uh, that being said, I mean, what's your thoughts on like free agency? What, what do you want to see happen? Well, we kind of talk about it with NRD, so I don't want to dive into it too much, but the two guys that I definitely do want to talk about that everyone seems to not want and and seems to be Mm -hmm. hanging on is Malkin and Kane, right? Like everyone says, why would we do this? Why would we get these guys in their thirties? And you know, this is what the Rangers do. They get players after their prime and then they get nothing out of them. And, you know, a lot of people obviously are questioning Kane's personality and his off ice antics, but that's also so far in the past, right? Like there's, there's so many different things that these players kind of go through and, and throughout their career. And right. you know, they're, they're judged obviously off the ice and on the ice. Like we see it with Evander Kane also. And mm-hmm. if, if Patrick, I'll, I'll just say this, I don't want to dive into it too much, but if Patrick Kane were to be a Ranger, I would judge the Patrick Kane of today. You know, obviously he's made mistakes in his past, but, you know, who's to say people can't change, right? Like as long as he's a good person for the New York Rangers and, and in this organization, like I I would have no problem with it. No, am am I wrong in saying that? uh, No, no. But first to, 
piggyback a little off that, I mean, to say Patrick Kane is like past his prime is fucking insane. Yeah. The guy no, had 90 still an points this year. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not saying you, I'm just saying people saying that in general, like that's an insane notion to me. Same with Matt Malkin, right? Mm-hmm. He's still a really good player. Is he, you know, that hundred point Malkin who, who was dumb, whatever? No, probably not. He was a point in the game this year. He played yeah, 41 he's still games. Like a, he's still like a 60, 70 point player. And like, I mean, realistically, like if the Rangers were to sign him, they're signing him for two years. Like Malkin, I get a little bit, right? Because, you know, the Rangers hate the Penguins. I hate the Penguins. Yeah. Um, not a fan <laughs> at all, but he's a hell of a fucking player. And I, I would I would take him on our team. Um, Kane, I don't really understand the hate there aside from like his contract, but mm-hmm. I can't possibly imagine the Blackhawks are thinking, hey, somebody's going to willingly take on one year of $10.5 million. It's just not a thing that's going to happen. So... I would be looking for them to eat anywhere between 30 and 50% of that contract. So mm-hmm. if you're trading for Patrick Kane at $5 million, I mean, do you do it for one year of him? Well, here's what like just is bothering me about everything, right? Like I was definitely on the page of we're building toward the future, but I also mm-hmm. am on the page where I don't want to take any steps back. Right. If these, if these players help the team now and help the team win the Stanley cup, like who is opposed to that? Like, I know, you know that might, you know, sacrifice mm-hmm. maybe a player down the road, but like the whole point of playing hockey is to win. Like you want to win the Stanley cup. And if these guys are going to help do that right now, why not? And listen, I, I understand these things take time, but we saw what happened this year with this team. And I know the team won't look the same next season, right? Like you obviously mm-hmm. lose most likely Vetrano, most likely cop, most likely Strom, these guys that came in and were huge additions. But if we can get guys with experience and with Stanley cups, like I, that's what I'm like. Why would I say no to that? You Johnny, know, like, I noticed you just didn't mention Mott. Do you know something we don't know? Oh, I actually didn't mention Mott. And that was an accident, honestly. <laughs> that was an no, accident. But, and no, I, I don't. I'm, but I actually I'm, assume that Mott might stay. He's coming back. Yeah. He's coming back. He's the I one guy he's coming back. Yeah. So I'm, No, I'm I don't you. know anything that we don't know, though. But that Inside is weird him? that I left him out. Okay. But yeah, like you know what I mean? I, I, totally. I understand you don't totally. want to risk the future for a player to pay, you know, paying so much money. But also then again, too, there's this, right? Like, Everyone was saying we paid Panarin too much. He didn't perform in the playoffs. Why are we paying Malkin this much money? He gets hurt in the regular season, but you're not paying them for the regular season. You're paying Malkin to win the fucking Stanley cup. Right. You know? Like you're paying Kane to win the Stanley cup. You're not paying. I don't care if they get hurt in the regular season. If they're healthy in the playoffs, they can help you win in the playoffs. That's where the money comes in. That's what everyone was saying about Panarin, right? Like right. we didn't pay him for the regular season. We paid him for the playoffs. He didn't show up. Well, these are the guys that show up in the playoffs and have proven it. So wh- where's the argument? Where, where is it? You know, where does it go? Which side? Is this crazy to say I would actually prefer Malkin over Kane? Is that is that a crazy thing? No, because thing the to center position is more important right now. I kind yes, of agree. Yes. That aside, the reason I say that is because Malkin is a proven entity of playing this game in the Metro. He has played in the Metro his entire mm-hmm. career. He knows how the Metro works. He's good against the good teams. Whereas Kane, not to say he wouldn't be very good on the Rangers, but he's coming into a totally different division in a totally different conference than what he's been used to. And you've seen in the past guys come to a different con conference, get traded and stuff like that. And they really take a lot slower to click and stuff. That being said, does it really matter because we need him for playoffs and like the regular season? No, it doesn't. But also Kane's probably going to come at a lot higher of a cost, right? Like, you know, you're going to sign Malkin. I, I can't imagine it would be more than one or two year deal. Like I can't imagine and probably around $7 million. Yeah. Right. And I'm sure people have been asking you, people have been asking me if it's actually going to happen. I don't, I don't think we're going to get Malkin or Kane, but I know it is a possibility. And I, and I, I do see why Drury wouldn't inquire about it. I mean, like, yeah. obviously, you know, these guys are not only good players, but they also will probably help with the whole performance and production of Rangers hockey next year. Like who wouldn't want to come and see Panarin and Kane play together? Who wouldn't want to come and see Malkin? Like, you know, these are NHL superstars, like mm-hmm. to have them playing in New York city is, you know, a, a no brainer, obviously just for ticket sales and all that stuff as well. Right. Like it's a yeah. huge attraction. So, so if you're getting one guy, let's say Wednesday and you're playing armchair GM here, all the numbers work out, you know, everything's groovy. We resign, let's say Tyler Mott. And then you're signing one guy and his name's like, you know, Bryden Munt, right? So mm-hmm. it's it's Dryden's twin brother, okay? Yeah. And and we're gonna be like, oh, who is this guy? So 
you look at signings like that and it'll probably eat, you know, a million, whatever. And then you're going to sign a backup tender. I actually don't think it's going to be Keith Kincaid as much as I like the blockade. I think it's, I just think it's going to be a rando. Like I, honestly, you, you mentioned it a while ago. Like I could see them signing Holpe and, or, or someone like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the two C position, I think it's so important. I, we've taught, we talk about it with NRD. I don't want to get too much into that. I just think, you know, as as nice as Malkin would be, as nice as Kane would be, I agree. I don't see it, but I do see us making a trade with the Winnipeg Jets. I, I think they have two centers that we're incredibly interested in, in both Shifley and Pierre-Luc Dubois. I think, you know, both of them would be fantastic for this team. I know Shifley, you know, the defensive metrics have been decreasing and things like that, which is why I lean more towards uh, PLD. I think he's a dynamic forward and he would really help our team and elevate us to the next level. And he is a guy who performs in the playoffs and things like that. It's just a matter of, you know, what are we going to have to give up for him? I mean, would you give up a Heedle? Because like I would, I know some people are going crazy about it, but like I would give up Heedle or, or someone of that caliber on our team to land us Luke Dubois. If we were able to resign him. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. And and the one reason why I will say Shifley may be over PLD is just that first power play unit spot. Like he'd fit in right where Strom was in that little bumper position. And I think that would be a huge addition too, because he's like a pure goal scorer. So to have Shifley kind of slotted in there would be a huge help where Dubois, mm-hmm. I don't know exactly he, where he'd fit. He played on, wasn't he on the power play unit though in Columbus? Dubois? Yeah. I think so. But yeah, he was, I know right? it was, it was like Texier kind of mm. had that slot where he'd come down on his left side. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Wierenski obviously ran the top. I don't know where Dubois played necessarily on that unit. Yeah. Um, but I know Shifley usually plays the bumper role and Wheeler kind of plays in that uh, off wing spot. I mean, to me, the thing that's so attractive, man, is Dubois is 24 years old. Like yeah. that is you can yeah. extend that guy for eight years if you wanted to. And and he's 32. Like that's he's also a proven 20 goal scorer. R- right. He, yeah. he had 20. He had two goals less than Shifley this year. He had 28 goals. I mean, like he's he's a proven stud and then you know shifley great player as well but he's turning 30 next season and you know if you're if you're trading for him you have two more seasons of him all right fine but you're basically trading for him and you're going to give up a lot because he's under control but you're not re-signing him is what that's going to come down to because you're not going to re-sign him as a 32 year old so Mm -hmm. to me i i look at kind of the bigger picture of, of the the whole aspect and i think like dubois is the guy who you know you can actually trade for and then you can extend if you trade for shifley you're not extending him they're just going to trade for him but that being said i think shifley is going to cost you more more assets because he is under control so what i love about both of them too is that they're both physical players like i think they really add that element to to the playoffs i mean we kind of saw it with strom he could be physical at times i don't think he was as physical as we needed in the playoffs Mm -hmm. so having those two step in and whether it's pld or, or or Shifley, they also both stick up for their teammates. Like PLD is not afraid to drop the gloves. I know Shifley is not. So that's also a right. huge addition too. And I think Ranger fans would love either one and be happy with either guy. But I, I mean, are there any other players that you think are a possibility? I don't, I don't really. I was I, yeah. so excited for the possibility at Kachuk. Uh-huh. And then, I, I, I mean, he's not going anywhere. If I'm the Flames, I'm doing whatever I can to like obviously keep him and Johnny Hockey around. But I have been hearing they're like prioritizing Johnny over him, but I, I don't know if that's true. Um, and also like, he's such a good player. I, I can't yeah. imagine they'd let him go. Um, other than that, man, like what other centers are even on the, mar- you know, I have mentioned this guy to you quite a few times and he would be an awesome get for this team. And he's also a young guy, Jack Roslevic. I mean, you know, he's, he's a guy who, but that being said, he's obviously not as good as, you know, Luke Dubois and Shifley and stuff like that, but he's a guy who still has a lot of potential that hasn't been tapped into yet. What about um, Claude Drew? Can't do it, man. Can't do it. No. What, what are you going to pay for him? He's going to cost more than Malkin. Like he's going to cost more than you Malkin. Think so? For sure. For sure. How many points did Drew have this year? Like 90 and he was like a plus like 30. Yeah. He's going to, he's going to cost more than Malkin. And if not, he's going to, you know, he's going to cost the same, but the difference is Jeru is going to get like a four or five year deal. Whereas Malkin's getting one or two. So that's mm-hmm. a, that's a big deal because you got to remember Philip Heedle, Alexi Lafreniere, Keandre Miller, potentially Ryan Lingren, all those guys need contracts next year. So that's a lot of dough that we don't have. What about your boy, Callie Yarncroke in the center position? So you were, you he, were high on him during the deadline. And I still am. 
he is like, and I've said this a few times to some of my friends, he's my fallback option, right? I, I'm assuming at this point in time, the Strom ship has sailed. We're not, we're not re-signing him. Um, I have heard that like the cop ship has sailed as well. So I'm assuming he's gone too. Um, and you know, then they're looking at these guys we've been talking about. If, if all that fails and, and we can't acquire one or we can't sign Malkin or someone like that, I would love to sign Yarn Croak. I think he'd be a great, you know, a great player on our team. The only issue is he's not a two C. So then you're, you're literally leaving it to chance and you're putting Philip Hedel as your two C. And I know we've talked about this and I don't know about you, but I just don't feel comfortable doing that. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. But also like another underrated guy who's been hurt the last couple of years, but had 20 goals back in the 2019, 2020 season is Noel Chari, who probably wouldn't cost that much money either. What team is he on? He was on the Bruins, Florida, Florida. but he was on, he, Bruins he was traded before. from Boston to Florida. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that is an interesting. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know, man. The, the, here's the thing. I think if Drury plans to sign a guy, it's going to be it's going to be one of Malkin or Andrew Kopp. I don't believe that he is going to look into the center market on free agency and be like, hey, Yarn Crook or, or one of these guys like, yeah, come on over. I just don't see it. I think he's going to look into Malkin. I think he's going to look into Kopp. I think Strom's already gone. And then I think what he's going to do is if Malkin's like, no, nah, man, I want four years, like well, whatever, then he's going to say, all right, let's look into this trade market. Let's look at the Patrick Kane. Let's look at, you know, all, all these guys uh, like Dubois and Shifley and, and see if anything sticks. The other, the last option I want to mention, and then, you know, we'll, we'll throw anything else in there is, and I've mentioned this guy to you a bunch of times and he's not a center. And this is like kind of an interesting route to take, but if they do elect to say, Hey, Heedle, here's your shot at two C like good or Mott, you could be three C and four C, whatever dude, Andre Pilat, man. Go for a winger. Get a guy who scored big game goals. He had like four massive goals these playoffs. Mm -hmm. He's he's dynamic. He's great player. And you know if they're going that route, like he's gonna cost the same. He's gonna cost like five million, five five, whatever. Like I, he's the guy I would look at. He's low key the Tampa Bay Lightning franchise leader in game winning goals. Yeah, in the playoffs. yeah. Pretty he's insane. literally Captain Clutch, yeah. dude. He is yeah, he so is. clutch. Like he's the guy I would look at, but. Um, yeah, that's really all I got on that. Do you have anything else you want to add or let's send it over to NRD? No, nah, yeah, we might as well just keep this momentum going with NHL Rumors Daily. We talked a lot about all these guys with him, so I got nothing else. Let's send it over to NRD. This week on The Blue Crew, we're pumped to have on a new friend of the show, NHL insider and host of the Cold Stove Pod, the wonderful and mysterious NRD. <laughs> How you doing, man? I am good. I appreciate you guys having me. This is long overdue, right? I mean, we've been trying to get this set this up for a couple of weeks now. I'm glad we can do it right before the draft. Yeah, I'm happy you could squeeze us into your busy schedule. Also, uh, you should feel honored because this is like the first episode of our new branded show, The Blue Crew. So happy Pioneer Day to you. I am guest <laughs> number one. That, that puts a lot of pressure on me. Extra right? pressure for sure. But I think Cody's going to put even more pressure on you right now. Well, <laughs> I was going to say there's nothing like a good icebreaker, right? So in honor of uh, free agency coming up this week, I wanted to tell a quick story where it was three years ago on a nice and cool summer night uh, when our Tammy Panarin signed with the New York <laughs> Rangers. And uh, he's always been one of my favorite players. And I'm not sure how this even happened, but you actually blocked me on Twitter three years ago, I think, or something Totally like an accident. <laughs> so yeah, it could have been an accident. You know, it happens, the the double block button. But um. I'm usually not a troll, so if I had to guess, it, maybe it was something with like, you know, that when Panarin signed, there was a lot of talk about him going to the Islanders and stuff like that. So I think that's like, that might have been when my little troll side came out like that day. But yeah, it's at the CF22 if you want to uh, yeah, throw I a could, little block there. I could take care of that. I'll do that right now. You know, this is great radio. I'll do it right while I'm talking right now. <laughs> You're probably right, though. And I, I think it's such a funny thing that when... You know, a couple of podcasts that I do, people are like, well, well, you blocked me. So, you know, I don't even want to have you on anymore. And it's like, <laughs> I, I maybe am a little too loose with the block button at times. You got to have thick skin to work in this business and whatnot. But I always think that it's part of the fun that I, that I like to do with the account. I like to go back and forth with a lot of people. Yeah, I'm not saying course. you crossed the line. Um, but yeah, there was <laughs> if I had to guess, I mean, because you, you guys remember, right? And, you know, there's no shame in saying all the information, everything that was out there up until, you know, July 1st at 12 p.m. was Panarin was going to the Islanders. Right. Bobrovsky may be going with them or maybe not. But like 
Lou was backing up the Brinks truck. I think they offered him what? 11.84, 11.64. He ends up signing for less yeah. with the Rangers. So like, you know, if I had to guess, it had something to do with that. You are on block now, by the way. I took care of that. So we're back Let's on the go. good side. Might need to tweet but, a screenshot at him right now. I'm on the, I will. I'm on the I podcast. Will, I will tweet a screenshot in a couple minutes. I can't multitask like that. I might screw it up. But, you know, I, to your point, I think that's what it had a lot to do with, especially that time of year, because you guys remember it so well. Everybody and everyone around the industry thought that that's where Panarin was going to the Islanders. And then, you know, for whatever it is, there's – rumors that his girlfriend wanted to live in new york city and be mm-hmm. you know be a part of that scene and whatnot but he ends up taking a lot less you know a lot less in the scheme of things and signing with the rangers so i'm glad we can get this hashed out right now Bobby. likewise it's it's a huge uh sm- small step That's for man huge step for me yeah there you go but um anyways i i also did want to ask so you've obviously been anonymous for quite some time now do you want to maybe walk us through how all of that got started and you know what you're up to lately and things like that? Whatever you yeah, can say. Yeah, it's it's the international man of mystery, right? It's always funny with mm-hmm. the shtick. I mean, right. You know, people ask a lot about the anonymous thing, and, and I always say this. It's one of those things that it started out entertaining, right? You you have guys, and I'm not gonna, you know, not gonna throw anybody under the bus or slander anybody, but you have accounts like Eklund and whatnot who have, you know, done so well for for what they do. And, you know, people can argue about whether there's information coming from there that's legit or not, but it's entertaining nonetheless, right? There's definitely mm-hmm. an entertainment aspect to that side of, you know, reporting. Um, I thought it would be entertaining to try to do that, but, you know, that I'd like to say with, with legitimate sources um, and legitimate, mm-hmm. you know, credentialed access and whatnot. So I tried to do that. And, you know, it, thankfully, I mean, I started it. We're going on, I think, year 10 or pretty damn close of NRD now. And, it's just continuing to snowball into something bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's why the anonymous thing is kind of stuck. I always like to tell people, you know, NRD is this weird thing between, between a person and a brand. Like I definitely have my own opinions and everybody sees it. Like I, like I hit that block button on you for some reason. I'm not, some <laughs> you know, shell working for a brand, you know, doing social right. media. I am a person, but at the same time, NRD has kind of become this thing where it's like, who's NRD? Are we going to find out? What are we going to know? When is he going to reveal himself? And honestly, I've always said if the, if the, you know, the sourcing and the, the news and the, everything's legitimate, which I can't make you, you know, not saying you guys, but like somebody believe or whatnot, go look for yourself. And if it's good, then it shouldn't really matter, you know, who I, who I am behind the account. If you like the content and you think the content's legit and it's good, then let's have a little fun with it. And that's kind of why the NRD thing is stuck. I want to ask you on top of that, if you really like... <laughs> take a step back and like think about the NHL and think about all the rumors that do swirl in the off season, especially, I don't know. Are you an NBA fan by any chance also? I am. They do okay. dabble in the NBA. Okay. So I love the New York Knicks and there's always rumors regarding the, we Knicks know. In the off season. No, but it's, it's it, dude, it, it's, it's just so night and day, the difference between the NHL off season and the NBA off season. Do you think yeah. like any of these players are ever going to try to like force themselves out of situation? Kind of what we've seen with Kevin Durant and we did somewhat see it with Taylor Hall uh, a couple of years ago when he signed that one year deal with the Buffalo Sabres. And then um, I think he ended up getting himself traded to Boston. But I mean, at some point I feel like these players, their egos are going to start to build up, especially with the younger generation. Cause you see guys like Zegers and the Hughes and, you know, some of these kids who come in with a little more, you know, cockiness and swagger. I, I think we're kind of headed in that direction where like NHL players are going to be like, I want out, you know? I agree with you. And, and I think, it all cap it all ties into one to one another right like i think that the tv deals for with turner and espn are fantastic for the game more coverage more chances for these guys like you said like the zegerses and you know like the jack uses to flex their personalities and whatnot mm-hmm. the more they're seen the more they want to be heard and i think right. that's what the nba does really well you know they they make their players seen so their players want to be heard you get a guy like kd who wants out of your quest to trade it gets blown up everywhere on all accounts everybody wants to talk about it that's right insane. so so I think we'll see that in the NHL. I mean, if there's anybody that should do it, it should be Connor McDavid, in my opinion. I'm sorry, That's, Edmonton that was fans. My follow like, up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't mean to take the question out of your mouth, but yeah, like I, I hope we do. I, I think that the difference between the NHL and the NBA in terms of you know the rumors and whatnot, there's still this you know good old Canadian boys club with the general managers and the scouts and the players and the agents of this league, where it's like it's taboo to talk about a player wanting to like to request a trade. Like you look at a guy like Jake DeBrus, perfect example, not a big mm-hmm. name. But even more so, you know, to kind of flex the point here, like Jake DeBrusque is not a big name. He's within his right to request a trade. He's not getting top six minutes in Boston. He wants out of there. He wants an opportunity. 
And the minute it gets mentioned publicly, it's like, oh shit, no, he didn't really, you know, that shouldn't have been yeah. out there. Like he's not allowed to participate. Right. So I, I think, you know, it's been stifled a lot because of that old boys club and because of the way it's been done over the years. But the bigger the TV deals get, the more access that people have to these players, their lives, information, the rumors, you know, and I'm not, I'm a, a small speck on, you know, the larger image of, you know, what it means for the league. But the more we get these rumors out, the more we like to talk about player movement and whatnot, hopefully the players feel a little bit more empowered to have their messages out there, um, whether they want to get traded, whether it's, hey, I am only signing with these three teams, something like that, because you see that happen in the NBA and the NFL a lot. Like, I think that the further and further we get into this new generation, like you mentioned, with these new kids that are coming into the league, I think we'll get that one day. I, I hope for it. I mean, I think it just makes for like more storylines, more fun. I mean, you know, obviously Cody and I were kind of talking about it before recording here, but like, you know, the rumors about Kachuk are happening right now and whatever. And I just know like, it, it's just a fucking rumor. And then he's end up signing with the flames again. Like it's just <laughs> all these things, yeah. like as you, you're NRD NHL rumors daily. Like you hear a bunch of rumors all the time, but nothing actually ends up happening. Yeah, no, it, nothing ends up happening. And it's always the funnest thing. Cause like, I'd like to think that, because I really am in, I'm not beholden to like a network or like a company. I don't really have the agenda that other guys do. Cause like mm-hmm. we all know it. I mean, perfect example. And I, I love Kevin Weeks. He's an awesome guy. I'm not sure if you guys ever had him on the show, but he is a trying to fantastic, get He's a fantastic human being, but like that Jack Eichel thing last year with the, the Kachuk offer, like that was fed to him from a general manager, you know? So like right. a lot of the information is just fed through. So you have to sift out what's bullshit and whatnot. And I don't even know if I could say that. I apologize. Um, curse, say whatever you want, <laughs> but yeah, so you sift through the bullshit and you see what's really, you know, legitimate, and whatnot. I like to think I have looser lips than most of you know the guys in the league, but at the same time, there everything's so fluid. Like, even like you said, Kachuk now or Alex Debrinkit, right? Like, two days ago, Debrinkit's not on the move, and now it looks like he's on the move again. And yeah, you, you know, Frank saying that there's some traction there with the Flyers, you got Elliot saying, hey, they're not moving their pick and whatnot. So, like, right, it, it's all fed through a certain agenda. And I try to, you know, for who I talk to, and I always say that, like, they're there because that's who they are, Elliot and Frank. They're fantastic at what they do, and they're much more sourced, I'd say, in quantity than I am. But mm-hmm. I talk to some good people, too, and it's like you have to really sift through what is legit and what's not and what isn't and who it's coming from. Yeah, one one thing I did want to touch on is, you know, there's been a variety of reports saying PLD to the Rangers might happen. I think you were actually one of the earlier reports on that front. He was. Um, he was yeah, you know, and, yeah. yeah, exactly. And, you know, we all know Chris Drury is a silent assassin. So when do you think a move like that could go down? And in your opinion, would that be the type of mood, move that the Rangers need to make to really take them to the next level? Or do you think it might make more sense to, like, move space around for a guy like Malkin or someone like that? Um, or, or I guess even re-sign, you know, Andrew Copper, Ryan Strom, which would allow them to keep that core intact without moving guys out. Yeah, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. Chris Drury is a silent general manager, much in the camp of Lou Amarillo or Steve Eiserman. Does things, if we know about it, chances are that's not actually happening. And that's honestly to the point of why, you know, I've been probably one of the most vocal, you know, reporters, if you will, and I'll say that loosely on Twitter about, you know, JT Miller and the Rangers, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, clearly they had some issues with Brian Bartlett, his agent last go around when he was with the Rangers. They had some issues with JT Miller, not overblown. I don't think anything major, but it wasn't a mesh at the time. And so they send him to Tampa and that Ryan McDonough deal. And now, you know, four years, five years later, we're talking about JT Miller and the Rangers again. A lot of people are beating that drum saying JT Miller. I I still don't see it with the Rangers, especially because like we said, it's out there. Chris Jury doesn't really make things that, you know, well-known when he's about to make a move. And, you know, I don't know if JT Miller is the type of center that puts the Rangers over the edge too. like, you know, I always get, you know, ripped apart on my podcast every once in a while. I'll drop, you know, some stat that people are like, oh, you're seeing it wrong. Or maybe that's not true. I don't mm-hmm. think JT Miller is the best faceoff winner. Um, not to say that like some of the other names are, but like, I just don't think he fits the mold of what the Rangers need to do with that second line center position. Quite frankly, unless you're going to get like a Pierre-Luc Dubois on a long-term deal or a guy like Evgeny Malkin, who's been proven year in and year out, you know, on a one-year high, you know, bonus incentive contract, I think you're better off targeting a guy like, and I know people are going to go nuts when I say this, but like, you're better off targeting a Patrick Kane or a Vladimir Tarasenko, a guy who could sit on that top line and just score goals because you're not going to like the the jump from Ryan Strom to a Sean Monaghan or JT Miller isn't the 
as big of a jump to me as having a guy who could sit on that first line and just score, you know, 45 a year. And I think that's right. what the Rangers sorely back to. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right there. And, and Pierre-Luc Dubois interests me though, because I feel like he's still young enough where he obviously hasn't peaked yet. So you don't mm-hmm. really know how far his potential could go where, I mean, not to say JT Miller has peaked, but I would definitely say, you know, this season was more so of his coming out party, right? The guy had 99 points. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and you know what? That happens oh, too with the contract year too. No, you're you're fine. I just want to throw in, you know, you see these guys all the time kind of go off a contract mm-hmm. year or one year before their contract's up. Like they're talking extension extension now. JT Miller's going to get paid based off the 99 points when it, it starts quite with honestly, eight. he's had a ton of, you know, crappy seasons beforehand. And that's not a slight to him. It's just the truth. Right. Well, you're saying all these things about Tarasenko and Kane being on the first line. So that means you're putting Heedle at the second line center. How are they going to, to me, they gonna, okay, they so, afford someone else as a second line center if they do that? Mika, dude. Who's the first line center then? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Mika's the first Mika? line center. I don't yeah, know. so then Tito's <laughs> second line. Yeah, I don't Which know. is a tough sell for me, and maybe I didn't think this as far through as I should have, because to me, Filipino's not a center in national hockey. He's a good player. I think he's continuing winger. to improve. Yep, he's a winger. It, it, you know, we saw it in the playoffs. I think he drove a lot of offense for that line. I think he was, even as much as people want to talk about the kid line, still underrated for what he did mm-hmm. for that line. But at the same time, didn't win a lot of faceoffs. Wasn't the most, you know, sound in the defensive zone. He didn't really play the center position as He's much not as physically he mature yet. Yeah, yeah. And that's a big part of it too. And I think that's why to me, he's continuing to grow. But if you have the opportunity to move him like a peer loop for a peer loop to block, you kind of go for it. Cause I don't see a future where Filipinos a center. I definitely a top yeah. six player, but not a center. Yeah. I'm so happy you said that, dude, because I've been I, I tweeted it out like yesterday. Like I would take Malkin for that one year. Heedle's not a, a second line center. He's just not. And everyone's like, because he hasn't had the chance yet. I was like, OK, like he, he had one good playoff like run where he wasn't even like that consistent the whole entire time. He had some pretty good stretches like in the in the Carolina series. He was great. Pittsburgh, he was not so great in the beginning and he was great toward the end of it. But I think everyone just has like this recency bias that thinks he can just do it consistently. The guy had eight goals in the regular season, 67 games. Like he is 22. I I know, but is he, if you slot him in as a second line center, is he getting them over the hump? No, no. Like it's good for his development. Sure. But it's not good for the Rangers growth. That's a huge step back. Massive step back. I agree with that. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a huge, I mean, I'm a huge Luke Dubois guy. I told you that Johnny. So like I would Mm -hmm. make that move. It's just really a matter of, you know, now the dominoes are going to start to fall after that. Right. So it's like, all right, if you do move a heatle or, or a Kako, then, then it's like, you kind of got to shift things around and the Rangers are so tight on the cap as it is. That's going to be a hard thing to maneuver. But I do think a guy like Pierre-Luc Dubois can really take this team to the next level. I mean, if if you have two elite centers, it's look what Sorelli, I mean, I keep pointing back to Sorelli, but like, look what he did to us when we played Tampa and he wasn't even elite offensively against us. Right. He He's also a third line center in reality. Right. Brain point. Right. Was out. But yeah. point was out. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's interesting, but um, NRD, I did want to uh, ask you a question regarding this trade deadline coming up. So who are some of the biggest names you think might get moved? Um, sorry, not trade deadline. I meant yeah, free agency, but yeah. yeah. Um, but who are some of the biggest names that you think might get moved this summer? And, you know, are there any teams you think, might be surprisingly active? Could we see any offer sheets, anything like that? I don't know if we'll see the offer sheets because we've talked to, you know, going back to the one of the first questions you guys asked, like, did the players requesting trades, will we ever see it? I don't think we'll ever see an offer sheet either in this league or maybe, you know, one day, hopefully it'll take the right GM to come along and have have a pair and be able to actually send one one way. But like Alex DeBrink, it's the obvious name that everybody likes to talk about, right? And, and that's unreal. Yeah. largely in part to you know, people ask why would Chicago give up on, you know, a lot of 23 or 24 year old in, of his caliber, you know, at this point in his career, because what they want to do in Chicago and really tear that thing down to the studs doesn't mesh with when to is ready to get paid. They don't necessarily see themselves as a team that's going to be good at that time either. And if yeah. you're really going to rebuild an organization, you have to start from the ground up and to bring it doesn't fit into those plans. So he's the big name up front. Frank Saravalli today in his trade targets blog talked about Vladimir Tarasenko. We've been talking about his name for, better part of a year now. I mean, yeah. he was rumored to be going to Seattle at the expansion draft. Um, he's another right. name. I think he fits in for a lot of clubs. Like I think there, we talk about dominoes every year in the sport, right? Like, which is the first domino to fall. When you look at the type of player that the type of players, I should say that Johnny Gaudreau, Philip Forsberg and Vladimir Tarasenko are guys that can score guys that put up a ton of points. 
I think there's dominoes there in terms of linkage between the teams that go after Gaudreau, then trickle down to Forsberg, then trickle down to Tarasenko on the trade market, right? Because it's always easier to spend money than give up actual tradable assets. So I think you're looking at those guys are all kind of linked at the hip in terms of when the first domino falls on those three, you'll see where the teams that were in on that hunt kind of pivot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the defensive side, you know, you look at a guy like Chikrin, things have cooled off with Chikrin. We talked about him at the deadline and then it got really quiet there. Uh, and I don't know if Arizona wants to move him at this point. I think they're committed to him kind of being a part of whatever they're trying to build there at Arizona state. In Tempe. College? So we'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll <laughs> see. I mean, you need, you need young guys when you play on a college campus, boost morale, but like, yeah, I, he's a good defenseman and he's cost controlled. So I think taking a step back and, you know, Bill Armstrong there in the front office did just that this offseason and said, wait a minute, unless this kid really wants out of here, or unless we think we're not going to be good for the next four or five seasons, we need to sell tickets. We need to bring some excitement to hockey in the desert. And he's a great player and he's not really hurting our salary cap number right now. So I think you're seeing that with Jacob Chikrin. But yeah, I like the brink. It's the big name, and it, it's no secret there. We're going to talk about him for the next couple of nights, and you know maybe we see some get done at the draft. I've heard Philly. I don't know if New Jersey's going to do that with number two. Um, I think New Jersey's got a ton of options at number two, um, but Philly's really interested. Who knows if they're going to move five? Some say they will. Some say they don't. I the last I heard, um, it doesn't start unless it includes five and Bobby Brink and goes up from there. So we'll see if, mm-hmm. if we'll see if you know Chuck Fletcher does something there with those with those two assets for Alex to bring it yeah also is there like any chance whatsoever that Stevie Y decides to move Dylan Larkin like is that something that's kind of shimmering there in existence or it's just like not not a thing no the only place we really heard about it from was Larry Brooks and he had mentioned that in his article the other day in the post and Mm -hmm. you know Stevie Y like we said he's one of those guys that moves in silence like I'm not even gonna begin to try to think about what's right. going on in Stevie Wise's mind or what he's planning on doing right now. He does only have a year left on his deal, and that's looming for him. And, and if you look at a team like the Detroit Red Wings, where they're starting to ascend at the right time, does he fit into the plans? Are they going to want to bring in younger, newer veterans? I know he's a heart and soul guy, he's the captain there in the organization, but when you got guys like Sider and Raymond continuing to get better in that organization, mm-hmm. maybe he doesn't mesh into the plan three or four years down the road when you think you're really ready to contend. But didn't he basically build the whole Tampa dynasty pretty much? He was there when they started everything. No, see why? Yeah, he, he, he was. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I think he knows what he's doing. No, I think he knows what he's doing for sure. I just think that I think it's one of those things that, you know, I think we'd all be foolish to try to really guess what Stevie Wise planning on doing. You hear things yeah. rumble, you know, a yeah. little bit. It's yeah. just tough to pinpoint it. Yeah. And he also doesn't lose trades for the most part. So there's, there's that. How, how long do you think it takes for like a GM or, you know, a prez or, or someone like that to, to really put together a deal like that leading up to draft day. Cause we don't really see many deals on draft day. So, you know, I feel like if any big deals were to happen, it, it obviously would have had to happen, you know, the day before the week before so on. Yeah. It, Chuck Fletcher actually had a really good interview about this last year. So the Ryan Ellis trade was more or less consummated at deadline the year prior. Cause that, that we're going on a year now since the last offseason mm-hmm. when the Ryan Ellis trade went down. A lot of the groundwork, especially teams that are on the outside looking into the playoffs and want to get something done by the start of free agency, they start getting that done at the draft. Like we heard a lot of things this year, you know, one of the name, one of the big names, you know, to go back to the flyer as well was Ivan Provorov. A lot of talk about potentially Provorov and the St. Louis Blues that heated up maybe the night before the deadline. And then it never came to fruition. Now we know Chuck Fletcher's on the record of saying he's the type of guy that works on those deals then to get done now. I think things have changed with injuries and, you know, Ryan Ellis maybe looking like he's never going to play hockey again. So it's maybe not the best example, but very often we see a lot of these trades get worked on. Then you might hear something that doesn't really come to fruition on deadline day. You have an egg on your right. face that day when you report it, but then, you know, come July, come late June, it happens. So I, this things are so fluid. And I think that's the one thing I love stressing to people is like, and I know you guys know this, but like anybody that's listening out there that wants to know what goes on behind the scenes, Talks are so fluid. One day this team is in on these three guys. The next day these three guys are staying. They're, you know, they're not going anywhere. So like things change yeah, night by night. It's <laughs> Capo Caco, right? Like yeah. Capo Caco was gone when he was scratched in game six, right? Uh-huh. And now, yeah. you know, you hear some reports like, you know, Vince reports with USA Today, or I'm not sure he's with right now, but he reports that, you know, Caco's working on a deal to stay. And we didn't think that when he was scratched after game six, we thought maybe he was trying to make his way out of New York after that because he was pretty upset. So, 
so fluid. We'll see where things amount to in the next couple of days. I do think we'll see some action at the draft this year. It just really depends on, you know, we know, like, for example, the Brinkett thing, we know what is on the table for Chicago to acquire for a guy like Brinkett. Do right. guys like Tom Fitzgerald and Chuck Fletcher want to dance? It's really up to them at this point. I want to shift a little bit into the Rangers specifically, and I want to ask you just, obviously, I think, the whole off season's rallied around this second line center position, right? That's like their biggest need. Some people say they need another stable defenseman in the, you know, maybe sixth position because Braden Schneider solidified himself and his D partner is not necessarily solidified. It's either like Zach Jones, Braun, you know, whoever that may be. But I think it's clear that the only thing that really is a priority for any team, not even just the Rangers is just getting more speed because this Colorado team, no one could really keep up with them. I mean, I thought Edmonton was the fastest offensive team in the league, but Colorado is probably the only team that was able to outskate them. Another team that I think is really fast is Vegas. So, you know, I think in this second line center position, you know, it's really important. The Rangers add someone that helps their team speed. And that's something that I did love about Heedle. But the point I'm trying to make is, do you think Gerard Gallant is the right coach for this Rangers team? Because I know a lot of people are saying that their biggest need is being better defensively in front of Igor. But I, I, I want to go back to this team speed thing, because when you have Igor Shosturkin, who's a Vezina trophy winning goalie and probably the best goalie in the league behind Andre Vasilevsky. I don't think team defense is all that important. You need a good offense, which helps your team defense, I think. And I think speed is the number one priority. I don't know if you agree or disagree with that. No, I agree with your point. I think a lot of people like to say defense wins championships and then they cite the Edmonton Oilers with their goalie troubles, but because they like to say, listen, you can't score five goals a game and win a Stanley cup. I mean, Kemper was way below average though. Kemper was, yeah. And the the Colorado Avalanche just did that. And and the Edmonton Oilers went all the way to the Western Conference Finals doing just that. And you know what those two teams didn't have? A goalie, like you mentioned, the caliber of Igor Shosturkin. So you can win hockey that way. About Gerard Gallant, and I had a long Twitter thread after game six of the the Rangers-Tampa series about this. And those around, you know, around the league, we all say the same thing when we talk about Gerard Gallant. Um, He's the type of coach that like, it's about the messaging and that, you know, the buy-in, the team-first mentality and whatnot. He's not a genius when it comes to X's and O's. And I think he'll tell right. you that, too. He's a pretty honest guy. Systematically, yeah. he's by loving far – Yeah, because we, far, me, and Johnny, me and Johnny yeah. literally just said that. I was like, Galant's not an X and O's guy. Yeah, he's not – you know, I don't think anybody around the league that I've spoken to in the last three weeks will tell you that he's a good coach with X's and O's. He's not. Um, he's probably in the lower half of the league. But he gets guys to buy in. He motivates teams. He motivates, you know, older guys to reach their potential. You look Mm -hmm. at what he did in Florida when he went on that run there. And then, you know, he was in taxi on the curb, you know, a year and a half later. And then Vegas, he goes to a Stanley Cup final. He's, you know, at the slot machine at at the Vegas airport a year and a half later. And now with the Rangers, I think that – and I don't want to, you know, pull doomsday on all the Rangers fans that listen. But, like, I think you saw similar (laughs) – I think you saw similar all the Rangers fans that listen to the Rangers show. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I know they're going to hate me for this, but like, no, it's okay. I think you saw similar, you know, parallels to, to the Gallant years in Florida and Vegas in, you know, in a micro level in this small series against Tampa Bay, they came out hot. They kind of got stifled and jammed by John Cooper. Who's, you know, we all know, former lawyer, very litigious guy, extremely analytical, thinks the game differently than any other coach in the league figured out their system, stopped them. And Gallant really didn't have an answer because you can only motivate so far. Eventually X's and O's have to take over. So I I think you saw that in that series. And I just wonder going forward to your point about team speed and whatnot, I don't think you're going to win in the X's and O's game with Gerard Gallant. To me, I'd be like, not the best sign when you're getting out strategized by a team like Tampa, because you're going to be going up against them for years to come and other teams just like them, you know, in crunch time in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're right on that. But, but I will say at in some factor, right. The, the coach, the coach's mentality in, in the game and their factor into the game really only goes so far. I feel like Mm -hmm. at a, at a point, you know, in that Tampa series, let's say against the Rangers or, you know, Tampa against the Avs, right. Skill takes over at some point. So I think if somehow, some way the Rangers can kind of surround themselves with the right talent, like, it will all come together. Um, does that hinge on this two C that we've been talking about so much? Probably. Yeah. Because I do think that, you know, surrounding yourself with the right talent really helps elevate a team, especially when they're meshing together so well, right. You saw how flawlessly Tampa played against us. And I mean, even without point, like I I can't look at that team and say they, they had more skill than we did. Like I I just, 
Uh, yeah, exactly. I just think they played, obviously Cooper's a better coach. I'm not saying he's not. I mean, I think the guy's fantastic, but I think, you know, the way that team played based on like their skill and based on how well they mesh together, I think it does have some sort of factor, especially when you're in, you know, games 95 to a hundred of the year, right. When yeah. you're in the playoffs. Ooh. So, yeah. And, and you're right. They did, you know, they didn't have more skill than the New York Rangers, but one thing I noticed, and I had tweeted this out, maybe I was onto something. Maybe I wasn't. You guys can tell me because you're probably much more plugged in, you know, to the day to day, the New York Rangers than I am from the, from game two to game three, the Rangers, the reason why they crushed Tampa in game one, the reason why they pulled out game two, they had a lot of success getting into the offensive zone and they had a lot of success with like Adam Fox was able to dance at the point and set up mm -hmm. plays down low. And then when you watch game three and on in that series, Tampa totally shifted their defensive strategy. They stayed at home in games one and two, let everything come from the point and the perimeter. And then Tampa started to push on the perimeter in games three and, you know, four and five and six from, from then on in the series, they didn't let the Rangers break into the zone. They kept them tight to the wall. They didn't allow Fox to possess the puck at the point. They totally changed up their strategy. So, yeah, I don't think they were outskilled by Tampa. I just think Tampa did a fantastic job of adjusting to a Rangers team that is good, no doubt. I think the way that they played this year, and I'm not saying it can't change, but the way they played this year in that series was one-dimensional once Tampa was able to figure it out. To that point, I think the biggest adjustment they made was their PK. Mika Zibanejad could not get a one-timer off mm -hmm. after game two. I, I mean, any, any shot he had was, uh, you know, either blocked by Chernak or McDonough or just, you know, not a clear-cut shot. That was, like, the biggest thing I noticed, you know, going from game two to game three. But um, NRD, you cool with, like, one more question each, Cody? Is that – Yeah, that I'm, yeah okay. I'm good with yeah. that. Oh, yeah, you want to yeah, go? go? No, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I was going to also jump in and I, I agree with your point. I also think it was like, they specifically matched up Sorelli with Mika from mm -hmm. games three and onward. They well, made last sure, right. Yeah. So they made sure that matchup was there every single shift. And it was a tremendous dif difference maker, obviously, as we saw, but um, Agreed. yeah, go for it. I want to ask you, I don't know if you're a sports betting guy. I am. You are. Okay, good. So I have the, outright betting odds right now for next year's Stanley cup champion. I know it's obviously very, very early, but I think it's so ridiculous that the Leafs are second right now. Just mm -hmm. hilarious. Putting that out there. Uh, are there any sleeper teams that you think can make a run next year at the cup? I actually going in, I think there's no reason why Colorado can't repeat. I think they're that good unless they're just still too hungover. Cause you know, they're obviously partying a lot, but you know, I think for me, like I, I dude, I think Vegas, man, I think they figure it out. Eichel, they're they're so good. They just need to get either Robin Leonard on track, or they got to find another goalie that can do it. But I think Vegas right now at plus a thousand is incredible odds. You know, sleeper teams, and this is going to be really off the wall. But I look at two teams. You want to talk about long shot odds? Probably. I don't know what they are. I don't have them in front of me, but the two yeah. teams out in California. You look at the you look at the Anaheim Ducks and the. So I just Los said Angeles the Kings. Ducks. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. what I just said too. I mean, think about it. If if it's the first if we've team been I talking thought of. about it now for a couple of weeks, Josh Manson potentially going back to Anaheim, um, and then maybe being a little bit more ready than they thought. They have a guy in net, John Gibson, who like if they don't win now, he's getting the hell out of there. So he's yeah. gonna be playing, you know, balls to the wall to try to win in Anaheim. Mm -hmm. You have Zegers, who's only gonna continue to get better. You have Drysdale there on the blue line. McTavish is gonna be ready to play a full NHL season this year. They're gonna continue to get younger and faster and better. And then you look at the Kings, who you know, I think they have some issues to figure out in terms of some of the older guys they have on the blue line. And I, I don't think it's a clear cut picture in net going forward, mm -hmm. but they pushed Edmonton. It was a very good hockey club to seven games this year. They added Kevin Fiala, who I think is going to be able to net, you know, a ton of goals there. I think he's going to be worth every penny of that, you know, yep. massive seven year deal that he signed. So I wonder of the, of those two teams, listen, are they going to win the Stanley cup? Probably not. But when you're asking about long shots, I look at those two teams that can get hot at the right time and maybe carry the momentum of a couple of younger and faster guys in their lineup. And you never know what happens when it comes to playoff hockey. We all know this. So I love that take. And I'll just say the Kings are plus 3,500 right now. And the ducks are plus 8,000. I'm looking at FanDuel. but to that note, my sleeper team, because Vegas obviously isn't really a sleeper. They're kind of like a powerhouse. Mm -hmm. My sleeper team would be the Vancouver Canucks to like the same kind of points that you made. And I think yeah. that Thatcher Demko is a much better goalie than Gibson and, you know, kind of quick right now toward the back end of his career. I think Vancouver could have been a very good surprise had they made the playoffs, which they were really close. To doing, so. Well, they're going to be missing a hundred points once JT Miller. <laughs> so, um, but, but anyway, yeah, yeah. Staying on uh, some cup talk. 
who are your predictions as the next five cup winners from 2023 to 2027? That's a good question. That's an easy question. (laughs) It's a very easy question. Um, I do. I don't know if I can go through it year by year because I might trip over myself here when I'm trying to think of the years in my head, but I will say this. The, I think the Colorado Avalanche have a great shot repeating. I agree with you guys. Uh, I think they can do it next year. I do okay. think the Rangers will win a Stanley Cup in the next five years. I think they're ready. They're going to continue to get better. Snaps um, for NRD. Yeah, snaps the Rangers. Listen, it, it's simple. When you have a <laughs> goaltender like Igor Shostarkin, um, just like the Tampa Bay Lightning have shown with Andre Vasilevsky, you can be there every year just based on your goaltender's play. Mm. So I think they win one. I think they have a better team than the Lundquist years. I hate the dog on Hank like that, but it's just the truth. Um, I do think one of those teams out in California, like I mentioned, both are young, both are hungry. They're continuing to get faster. I think they're going to send at the right time. The Sharks. And <laughs> yeah, well, not them, but yeah, I mean, listen, they, they had a home run with my career. A guy who's worked with the Rangers in the front office yeah. and a guy who's been involved in the top levels, you know, sport for such a long time. I think he's a good GM and I think he will work out there. Um, but yeah, and then you look at some of those teams, maybe five years down the line. The Detroit Red Wings, you can never count out Steve, Steve Eiserman and the Iser plan or, you know, Maybe maybe closer to that five-year mark of the Anaheim Ducks where they have those young guys that are ready to take notice. And then we all, you know, maybe Toronto. I'm going to throw Toronto in the mix. I think eventually they're going to get over the hump. They're too good not to. I want them to. I want to see those yeah. guys win so bad. I love those kids. They're awesome. Yeah, I omitted Edmonton for a reason. I just don't – I don't have any belief in that, you know, that team getting it right. I do think Toronto is just way too good to continue to fail like this. Eventually they're going to break that first-round curse. And when they do – they're going to feel like a million bucks and they're probably going to make a run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just have some inkling of a hunch that the flames are going to win one sooner or later. I just, I just have a feeling with Kachuk, without Kachuk, with Gaudreau, without Gaudreau. I don't know why, but um, I like all of those, uh, you know, those guesses, they were great. And yeah, I mean, NRD, this was great. Thank you so much for joining, man. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. We appreciate it. We'll uh, have to get back on at some point next season. Talk about more, Always more, more cool stuff. Um, more cool but, stuff. Yeah. Always done. Very Thanks, cool NRD. We appreciate it. Yep. We want to thank our boy NRD for coming on the show to talk about all the rumors and everything going on right now in the NHL offseason. And for those of you that keep asking us, no, we are not going to tell you what his name is and stop asking. <laughs> we will never back down. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what movie that's for? Oh, you're too young. It's all right. What is it? Never back down. You don't know the movie Never Back you Down. You say the quote again. doesn't tell me the movie. I don't, I don't all know. All right. All right. True, 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 true. What is it? To be the best, you better take out the best. That's what it's called? No, dude. It's called oh. Never Back Down. Oh, no. I've never seen it. I heard it's good, though. I've you never seen a lot of the classic movies. You have some pride. It's kind of a flaw. I've never seen Godfather or Goodfellas. Dude, strike that. Actually, yeah. not, not kidding. Strike that. What, cut it out? Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it. People are going to put a hit on it on you, dude. I'm authentic. I'll keep it. I actually saw Shawshank Redemption for the first time. I would argue you're actually not authentic since you haven't watched the two greatest mob movies in the history of the planet. Just saying. Wouldn't that make me more if I don't watch them? Nope. And I'm not fake? Nope. You're so fake. Well, we'll have to have the listeners agree or disagree on that one. But yeah, I mean, awesome interview. A lot of fun talking to him. This week, obviously, there's going to be a lot of things that change. You know, a week from now, when we post our episode next Monday, the Rangers lineup could look a lot different and, and the roster could look a lot different. So Pierre um, Dubois. any wild cards, like any, For, uh, you know, crazy things, like not even just the Rangers, but in, around the league. Like I thought, I thought to bring it going to Ottawa was so bizarre and random. That was, that was wild. And honestly, dude, Ottawa might be a wagon, bro. They will. They're, they they're, they're young town is insane. Their top six is really good. They're just young. Any crazy things, you know, it would be wild. Like, absolutely wild and I, I would lose my mind if we got them but like if anybody gets them it would be crazy and you never know dude if dylan larkin gets moved man you've been yeah you've been saying that for a while i mean he, he's the guy to me like i would give up i'm not even kidding you when i say this i would give up any player on the rangers outside of igor shesterkin to get dylan larkin on our team you give up fox panarin okay, okay, okay and not fox <laughs> either i i would i would yeah i would i would Really? Yeah, dude, I think Dylan Larkin is going to be like, give him another year. To, he's still so young. Give him yeah. like another year or two. I think his like, you know, and he's a center, man. I, I, I love his game. Gonna, I love his game. I agree. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a very, very big Dylan Larkin fan. 
Um, that being said, it's never going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he even wants to leave. Like he's a Michigan kid. Born he's their bred. captain. Yeah. Well, he's also from Michigan, played at Michigan. Now he's the captain of the Red Wings. Like, I don't think he wants to leave. He probably wants to bring a cut back to Detroit, you know? Dude, my wild card actually could be I could see Detroit getting involved and making some big moves and making some signings and really trying to get back to contention because they've been bad now for what three, four years? Five, I think more. Five, yeah. yeah they've so been bad for a while. I can I they're the team who I'm like looking at them, th- them and like the Kings are the two teams because mm-hmm. the Kings got a taste, right? They got a taste of that playoffs. And now I don't think they're gonna want to give it up. So those are the two teams I'm looking at who might make a few splashes. Mm-hmm. Well, they also just got Fiala. That was a big pickup. That's, for them. Dude, that was huge. Yeah. That was yeah. huge. And that was another like out of the blue trade. Like these things happen. Like that was, I would say that was as out of blue as Debrinket going to Ottawa. That was crazy. Well, there's a lot of talk about Debrinket though. You know, like but getting moved. Yeah. Fiala came out of yeah. nowhere, but funny enough, I texted my buddy who was a wild fan. He's from Minnesota. Shout mm-hmm. out to my boy, Alex. And he did say that, Fiala talk has been going on for a while because they just couldn't afford him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it like, makes sense. Yeah, you'd never know though if like you're not a fan of the team. I feel like, but I also just want to give a quick suck it to the Brat Pack on Twitter. One of my favorite guys to follow. I don't even know him or his. Per- I don't even know who he is, but he's like, dude, Jesper what? Valentine. His name's Jesper. Is this actually his name? Do you know him? <laughs> I'm kidding, dude. It's also Jesper. I'm just, I'm just gullible. But I, I love interacting with that account. It's a big Devils account. And he was like putting out pretty much the entire day about Slavkovsky for the draft. And then the Devils skip on, well, they don't get Slavkovsky because Montreal mm-hmm. takes him first overall. And they pass over Shane Wright. So just, dude, fans were mad. As they should be. Dude, I don't blame also, them. one more shout out to the Seattle Kraken because they had a nice draft. Yeah, good for them. I, I didn't know too many guys in this draft. Obviously, I knew, you know, Wright and a bunch of others, but they had a nice draft. And also, the Rangers pick at number 63, Sykorka or Sykorka, however you say it. Sykorka, Sykorka, Korka. Supposedly, he's very, he's very good. So, yeah. And that, no relation to Peter. No no relation to Peter, but actually, I think it was Petter. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll let it go. I think it was what? P-E-T-R. I think it was Petter. Peter Sykora? Wait, who about? are you talking about? I'm talking about Peter Sykora. Never like, mind. Forget it. <laughs> forget it. Forget it. Forget it. Oh, forget it. Peter um, yeah, that's who I was thinking of. But um, but yes, yeah, so supposedly he was a good pick, and then also the guy who we got at ninety-seven, I think it was the second pick. Supposedly he was good as well. He's a center. We needed a center, as you know. So snaps for the Rangers because mm-hmm. supposedly they did pretty good. Yeah, I mean for not having a first-round pick, you know, as good as you can do. But I don't really have much else this week. Obviously, a lot of shit's going to go down, so we should have some more updates for you next Monday. Hopefully we have a really cool guest on. We're trying to work on it, so we're not going to say anything right now. But um, yeah, I mean, that's all I got. Cody, you got any final thoughts? That's it. Take care, all. Love you guys. Later. Bye. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit